0: Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Nkuli Sebeko and Lelie Maki are a movie-making duo. They're the team behind Jack and Jill Productions, and they released Table Manners in 2018 and a bunch of other stuff. And they're in studio to talk mostly about getting music into films and TV. Hi guys.
1: Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us.
0: Yay, I'm glad you're here. I'm going to start at the beginning, though. A little brief career trajectory. How did you guys get to where you are now, individually? Let's start one at a time.
2: I started acting when I was 17, oh. um, professionally. So I've been in the industry for like 25 years. <laughs> I did my degree in theatre directing and did creative writing as well. And I moved from acting to writing. And then I was like, this is not enough control. I have control issues. <laughs> so um, then I learned how to produce. And it was that was around right about the time that I met Lily when I was learning how to produce.
1: Similarly to her is that I went to UCT and I did... Uh, general film degree, but then we had an option of going into production and our second year to finish off. So what happens I had a choice between radio and video, but the problem with the video is that they had so many people in the class, so it felt like you'd never get a chance to like touch the camera or do something real. So I said, cool, let me do radio production. I realized that actually helped me out a lot in terms of editing, because if you can edit sound and tell a story with just using music and just using just dialogue, then you're gonna be a very powerful film director. And then I did the media course in radio, and then from then on I started uh, shooting videos because I really didn't wanna do film direction. Mm. And then eventually I was like, cool, I only wanna work on my own stuff. And I directed in a bunch of local stuff, like soaps and everything. And it actually told me that as a company we wanna do something different. And then I had an idea which was to do a film called Winsome, which was our first baby as well, yeah. fully self-funded. Sold our children, everything as well in the black market. <laughs> and then when we sold our no, we didn't actually, guys. We didn't sell our children. <laughs> but then what happens is we literally took all our life savings and invested in this little gem. It was a story about finding one of Shakespeare's lost plays, Love Labors One or Lost? Which lost. one? Love Labors Lost. Mm-hmm. I right, cause Love Labors One was the one that was known, but there was a secret one called Love Labours Lost, Mm. which was found in Johannesburg and was purely self-funded using like favors and we managed to put it together and that took us all the way to the Pan-African Film Festival in 2015 where we were in competition for Best Best Feature from a budget of like about 200,000 rands and like lots of favors and after that we were like hooked, right?
2: Shooting on weekends. Shooting on weekends only (laughs) or having to work on
1: on multiple soaps and series to make it work. And I think even then, that's when our love affair with music started because we were also very specific about how we wanted the film to sound. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a good place to be.
2: The films that have always stuck in my head are the ones that I sing along to. One of the reasons I love Pretty Woman is the soundtrack. That's an amazing soundtrack. I've been teaching my kids those songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that movie stays alive for me because of the music. Because, you know, who wants to watch a prostitute? <laughs> <laughs> the music is fantastic <laughs> yeah so for us it's always been how do we bring the stories we tell to life and one of those things is really pretty pictures and the other one is great stories and sound mm.
1: I think our company motto is we love pretty pictures with good story or good story with pretty pictures which yeah. one is it?
2: A sometimes. It changes. It changes.
1: It literally sometimes. changes depending on the day. <laughs> right, and the latest one is that uh, we love stories that bite. But before the one we started, it was we love pretty pictures with yeah. good stories. Yeah. And that for us was encapsulates who we are as a company. Yeah.
2: And what we're working on now is stories that bite.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Only bite.
2: Oh, I love it a lot. Now, the sync deal is a holy grail. For
0: musicians, mm. because in this new music industry, it's pretty much one of the only ways to make money. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's really sad. I
1: oh, know. Don't so
0: pay fair. just to say. <laughs> 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 that would be so nice. <laughs> if people actually came to shows, mm. then maybe. So that's part mm. of the problem: is people yeah. don't want to come see music, mm. they don't want to pay for music. The only people who are paying for music. Mm. It's other
1: us. guys
2: making the film yeah.
1: oh wow that's hectic too
2: which has not been our experience I feel like
1: no no but it has been because if you look at Table Manners for instance mm. Table Manners we sort of went through a whole thing where we had like the perfect score which was oh, one yeah. with all our placeholder music so it mm. gave our composer and a bunch of our artists like trouble we got the plastics to do the original soundtrack for it yeah. so we had an original composition as well as the original soundtrack and I remember there was one time where I sent them a it was an Al Bear song and i said cool this is the song this is the placeholder music and i think they sent us like 20 tracks in one (laughs) night because i kept on saying no no it's not right no it's not right no it's not right no it's not and they got so frustrated and eventually they cracked it as well so for me it's always been as if artists in south africa could maybe raise their emotion in their music because i think for me what's really important is A lot of songs, like Whitney Houston's And uh I... I will always love oh, yeah. He's you. Singing.
2: Oh,
1: no! He's <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The reason I'm doing that is that that song sort of oh, sticks no. in your head when you yeah. think about the bodyguard. And if you look at other tracks, like she's a big fan of Grey's Anatomy. And Grey's Anatomy, oh, they geez. don't even use sync music. What they do is they just get people no, to do covers. No, they
2: started out using sync music. Yeah. And um, as they lowered the budget towards the end, they then started doing covers. Yeah, like yeah. Snow
1: Patrol blew up because of Grey's Anatomy. Yes. But it felt like... No one
2: would know who the fray was. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it feels like I, I don't know. It's like as opposed to maybe trying to create a particular sound or copying a particular sound. If you could just stay true to an emotion, which I think a lot of artists in South Africa I, they grapple with. And I tell them, guys, I'm not looking for a hit song. What I'm mm. really, really looking for a is how a heart breaks. Mm. What I'm really, really looking for mm. is like excitement. How I feel when I'm excited as opposed to following a musical formula, And I think for me, that seems to be the biggest thing standing in the way of our sync licensing. Can I
2: take oh. us a step back? Yeah. yeah. So when we put together our dream soundscape, because he calls it a soundscape, for Table Manners, and he had all of our reference tracks, I was like, oh, I'm an amazing producer. I am going to get us this music. <laughs> and um, I reached out to licensing and publishing companies I'm trying to get the music and I found that really hard because it was music from all over the world it was there was a band in sweden there was a group um, in yeah, canada like there were people Yamaha, from delta yeah his soundtrack just went everywhere across the world so i was trying to figure out how to get this music from across the world into our little south african film and that was a humbling experience yeah. um, <laughs> those people don't know who we are <laughs> <laughs> i remember getting the rejection letter from the beatles i was like oh people who own simon silence silence yeah, uh, yeah, si- the people who own the music by the Beatles were just like, South African movie, what? No. <laughs> it was like rejection after rejection after rejection. I was like, oh, crap. And then we were like, what are we doing? We're South African filmmakers. Why were we looking all over the world in the first place? Mm. We have musicians here the story is from here the actors are all from here why are we not embracing the fact that we are working here and living here and telling stories about here by doing music from here and then we took a step back and we're like hello (laughs) let's do that let's be who we are let's go fully into being south african while keeping international standards
1: that's the thing is that when i was listening to south african tracks because i know the plastics I've, i've listened to plastics since like Caves, which was like one of their first songs on like even that Stereo Kids. Mm. So a big fan of that as well. And it's just that it's so hard to find music which is syncable. Is mm. that a word? Yeah.
3: I think word.
1: like music which is syncable. By syncable, it means that, yeah, we, like it's, we do world-class music, but for me is that it sort of just blends in with everything else. Mm. And here's the thing about it is that I then had to sort of get the plastics to do something completely different. From what they were doing, when we then decided to commission an entire album for yeah. it as well, which like three, well, about seven tracks, seven eight tracks, we literally paid eight tracks altogether. Eight tracks altogether, and then mm. here's the funny thing: they could actually record "Sound of Silence" by Simon and Garfunkel and yeah. release it without having to get permission. Yes, but we cannot use their rendition of the song and the film without getting permission from there as well yeah. which is the holding rights which we found out is about 200 people from all over the world oh, yeah. like literally that's how hectic get was <laughs> it lost. was a long what? ass no, list. No, no it was a long ass list of people that we had to get things from and like uh, she said something very important then they started looking. It like cool so who's famous in your country alright cool who's singing the song alright cool are we gonna make more money from the song mm. that literally is the bottom line so yeah. forget the Let's say they wanted about 150,000 U.S. dollars. Mm. So it's sync sink- <laughs> is big money. <laughs> no, syncing is big money. And that was just for like a limited territory. It's like 150,000 U.S. But here's the thing which was really surprising is that it was that who's singing it? All right, cool. So therefore, what's the potential trajectory? How much more can we make of the life cycle of the song? And that's what actually is what they decide if they're going to go ahead and sync or license it or not.
0: Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to take it one step back and say it's interesting because as an artist, you can record a cover without permission. But you also, when you release it via DistroKid or CD Baby, whatever it is, you have to pay an annual license. It's not a lot. It's like $12 or something per year to have your song out there on Spotify. But that is a lot less than $150,000. No, it's a lot less. I mean, like
1: for them, it's like, I think it's like dropping in the ocean. Yeah. They say it might make it, it might not make it. It doesn't really matter for them as well. But then as soon as you include film and you start talking to music publishers, especially in South Africa, for mm. them it's like, oh, must have big money. And for us, we're an independent company. So for us, all of our budgets for music are always incredibly small, Mm. but we're always trying to find more and interesting ways to be able to do it. Like for our latest film, Homecoming, we then decided to recreate an entire genre of music. We can't talk too much about it, but Mm -hmm. basically, we had to literally start at the beginning and say, Cool, what feeling are we trying to encapsulate here? Family, blah, 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 et cetera. And by blah, blah, I mean, is that it could have been anything, whether it was action or blockbuster. Mm. And then what we then said is that, Cool, we can't afford any of these sync licensing songs, Mm. but can we create them ourselves? Yeah. And that's what we had to do.
0: Oh my gosh. So, actually, you prefer to work with independent artists who are not signed to publishers?
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, it's easier to get them to create what you want to create. So yeah. like Lady was saying, a lot of South African music isn't good for syncing. Because mm-hmm. what we do and how we look at syncing is the song helps elevate the emotion on the screen.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That mm-hmm. is what it is doing. It is elevating the emotion on the screen. It is helping us better tell the story. It is helping the audience better understand what the characters are going through. It's not just there to make a noise. Mm-hmm. It is to, there to add.
1: Just to add on, not to cut it off, just what she's saying. So which means that we place the song last. Okay. We don't cut to music. Yeah. We cut the scene, get the emotion right, get the feeling right, exactly what we want to convey with the scene. Mm. And after we're done with that, that's when a song will come to mind that helps elevate the scene. Mm. So like, just to just be clear, yeah. we're not looking at like putting all these songs there, we're going to put them in the movie. Yeah. Usually the songs come last after we've had one cut without any like the first cut yeah that has nothing no music cut. no nothing no sound effects like we can play this you know, oh that sounds nice that plans us and then it's always like us trying to pick and choose yeah Sorry, there gone. have
2: been occasions when we've done the opposite where you've gone this scene i can hear when we're writing When we're yeah. like, oh my word when you're right i'm because i write so when i'm writing a scene if i'm listening to a particular song while i'm writing the scene mm. then i put that in the script so that when he's reading or the next person is reading it there's a sense of emotion that that song um, captures wow. um, that ca- then carries through how you're reading the rest of the scene. So, yeah. for example, Johnny Cash's Hurt, there was an episode of um, the TV series Night Shift that I was writing, and I had been listening to that song over and over again. And I was like, oh my no, word, I'm just going to pop it at the top, um, at, not the front first scene, because the first scene was a bit action driven, but the next scene I wrote over the sounds of Johnny Cash's Hurt, and then I wrote the rest of the scene. And so when he read the scene, he was just like, okay, if you hadn't written that, I wouldn't have read it in this this way. So occasionally that helps, and Mm. that works for me as the writer, that it helps to, you know, help you read the scene and help you understand it. So when you're viewing it as well at the final product, if you're not being lifted by the song, if the scene isn't being lifted by the song, then there's no point in it being there. And unfortunately, what a lot of South African TV and movies tend to do is use our music as background noise Mm. to fill a space. And I don't know if that space should be there (laughs) Um, and if that's the correct thing to fill the space. Because it's
1: not... Can I tell you the truth? Yeah, go ahead. I don't think we most South Africans know how to use music and fill i'm gonna be controversial and say look at you <coughs> look at i you. am no no do you know what do you know what? I'm, Why you! just I'm, I'm, talking I'm a, about a, the other children like this I, no no <laughs> like as a general rule is that i'm I'm a student of film so i know that before i even shot my first thing i learned about the history of cinema this is like every ucd student who did like film hmm. and media there so i learned about the lumiere brothers the first film i learned about italian neorealism with like uh, Vittoria De Sica so we literally studied film as a whole mm. and what I then found about it was the interplay between music and scores so you are John Williams even John Hughes all those guys that have just done huge huge scores and they all have the money then also I learned about on the opposite spectrum which was your the good bad and ugly what's his name? Um, yeah,
2: just- <coughs> Crap oh, you then. talk about him all the time
1: I have a playlist on my phone and it's called Score Mm. And what this has is like pretty much everyone that I really, really, really admire. Like Ennio Morricone is the guy. That I was is, that is for. his name. Yay. That's the guy. You see Ennio Morricone. And here's the thing that's just interesting about. I try
2: about to you. put on Taylor Swift.
1: <laughs> <song in here>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it, it's it's amazing. Like if you look at this, like from uh, Dan Roma to even Ernest Gold, who did the theme of Exodus from Exodus, that big movie mm. with Paul Newman as well. Is that what they managed to do is that, especially in the Americone, he was doing Spaghetti Westerns. Spaghetti Westerns didn't have a lot of money. Mm. Like they were like really, really low budget. When you talk about low budget, they were like some of the most low budget films. So what they did is that it's very cool. He was a student of music. So I studied classical music and I studied all the different movements. So when he started and he was asked to do the score, they said, we don't have money. He said, okay, fine. You don't have money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to incorporate the guitar, the trumpet. So I'm going to walk away from a traditional score so I can create a big film sound. And then that's how Ennio Morricone really got his start on The Good and the Bad and the Ugly because he was able to go and say, since I'm working within these set parameters, I'm going to use these parameters to be more creative, mm. which I find problematic. That's what I'm saying is that mm. then when you look at us when it comes to music, And I think maybe it's because we've got a deep history of TVs in South Africa in recent years is that for us canned music, which is like library music,
3: mm-hmm.
1: is apparently enough. And that's great for your soaps or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what that does is it doesn't help independent artists mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then they're also trying to create almost generic forgettable sounds mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to get an emotion, elicit something out.
2: Yeah, there's nothing forgettable about the score to the good, the bad, and the ugly. No, there's nothing. There's like,
1: nothing
2: forgettable like, Everyone knows. Everyone
1: knows. As soon as I say that, it's like so simple. Do you see what I'm talking about? And even the fact that uh, Kill Bill, Quentin Tarantino, Ooh. I mean, he made that, I think, a uh, couple of decades after the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, but he was still pulling score. So mm-hmm. a lot of that score for his isn't original, is he was pulling stuff from Ennio Morricone, yeah. Alarina, one of the best songs ever, which I really love from Kill Bill. Stuff. It's the part of the end. I mm. you know the song. Do you know the song, right? You, you
2: played the it's song in the right?
1: I don't know if you remember this part, but the part of the end of Kill Bill where... She does the five-finger death punch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know that part, yeah, right? Yeah. And then he says, he taught you. And he says, yeah, he taught me. And there's a son of a bastard. Then the song starts playing, and he starts a buttoning up his suit. And then Bill just walks off into the sunset to die, knowing that if he takes five steps, mm. he's going to be gone. Mm. And that, for me, it's stuck in my head forever. Yeah. That's the thing about it. There is a timelessness in emotion, which I think we have to start putting into our films, which into our score, which I think we're lacking right now.
2: I mean, we had an interesting argument with a broadcaster about the canned music because we despise canned music. (laughs) And they were very clear. They were like, we're not here to make stars. Mm. We're here to make content. Um, So I'm not here to make artists rich. We're making content and that's our business. Um, And then another broadcaster, Similar discussion They were like But now why do you want to Spend this much money on music And I'm just like Because it's It's our emotional landscape For the film It's (laughs) What the audience Is going to walk away with At the end of the day And they were like But we're not in the business Of music We're in the business of film And we We had It was such a ridiculous fight Because we were like The two are interlinked (laughs) You cannot have one Without the other You cannot make a film And not put any music in it It's just insane So for For the broadcasters To go "Mm, We're not here To enrich musicians Mm. is why we're not making money off our films, Yeah, the long and short of it.
1: Ah, And she thought I was being controversial.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God, I so. think
2: we'd have bigger audiences. I think we'd have wider reach if you actually had decent sounds mm. on your product. It's just that really commercials do it. Commercials spend all the money on
1: the music. But even those are forgettable. That's the funny thing about it, like even those are forgettable. It's that thing is there's something special about film and TV, and I think that's why we do it, and that's why we chose to do something differently. I mean, we've never tried to go for a long form. A long form is not a long form, but a, a long series like a telenovela or a sub. Because it felt that trying to create something original and different every single day would mean that you'd have to do some compromises. Mm. And it didn't sort of suit our ethos as a company. And Fast is like, cool, can we make this film thing work? Yeah. And I think it is possible to make the film thing work as well. But I think the the thing is, don't be the outlier. Like every single film that we've had has managed to go to a festival. But more than a festival is that we've always managed to sell it later on. Mm. That's the the bottom goal. Mm. Can we sell it later? So therefore, in five, ten years' time, will we make another, let's say, 200,000 rands off this? Mm. Without having to do more work, just 200,000 rands off this as well. And luckily, we've been able to do that with every single one of our projects, which means that we don't have to take as much work, which means that we can take longer when it comes to taking experiments. Because I think working with the plastics and table manners Mm. was a huge risk. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Huge.
3: Yeah, <that> was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
2: how do you know they're going to be able to do the whole score? And he was just like, they will. He's like, they've written five albums. They can write eight songs. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was weird, man. It's like, you don't know if they're going to be able to do it. It's just that belief yeah. that maybe you might hear like, and here's the thing. I think the two songs that convinced me to go to Gully and say, hey, let's try this guys out. Oh, I think I completely forgot this. I am the director. Mm-hmm. And co-producer, which means that everything that you see and hear on the screen is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And Gully is the co-producer because we produce together and the writer. So she will give me the plans for that house Mm -hmm. and then she will trust me to build it. And that's why we work so well. So therefore, even when it came to the plastics, it was like, it's just the feeling. And that was based on me playing her caves and stereo kids. And they just released an album called In Threes and it had a song called Table Manners. Mm. We didn't use the song. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was right like on one, one of those
2: k- it's kismet moments. Yes, they had a song <laughs> yeah. called Table
1: Manners. We didn't use it. But those three songs convinced me that these guys could do something amazing. Mm. And then that's what I, I sort of based it on, which mm. was those three songs. And then what we then did is say, like, cool, here, let's record the album. Let's start from scratch. Let's redo everything. Let's completely make a sound. And I think for me, that's the thing. We had to create a cinematic sound. Mm. So maybe it comes on the fact that are we doing cinematic sounds as musicians? Yeah, That's a question I pose to the musicians out there. Are your songs cinematic? So can you take one of your best songs and just put a scene on silent and then play it? And is there a marriage between it? If there's no marriage, then maybe you have to then push to say, how do I make my songs more cinematic? And I don't think there's a formula to it. I think it's just about the emotion for it.
2: Mm. One of my favorite discussions to watch was Pascal and Lely arguing about the progression of a song because <laughs> he was like, okay, we're going to do chorus, verse, chorus, and that's going to go A, B, and then Lady's like, cool, so then you go C and you do what was similar to A. And Pascal was like, no, then we go somewhere else entirely. We go C, we go D, we go E. And Lady's like, so when do you come back to the chorus? And when do you come back to the verse? And Pascal was like, we're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing the emotion of the scene. Um, And then lily was like, it still has to be a song. Mm-hmm. You still have to release it after this. You still have to go forward and like, you know, have people be able to listen to it. And there's that back and forth of, um, because Pascal really did, he did like they, the whole, Team actually really embraced the idea of going. We're gonna help you tell the story with our music. We're gonna help you, you know, capture the emotions that the characters are going through through our music. And and I think he just took it a step too far because Lily was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. <laughs> At the end of the day, oh. <laughs> you it's, you're a band, and it still has to be a song that people will still relate to, and humans, the human ear needs to hear
1: chorus, verse, chorus, verse. But also specifically, he had left the scene. That's what they had done. It was like, I get it, I get it, I get it. Then he just went off on a trajectory like, cool, why? And I just asked the question, why? He said, no, because it's going to be like this. And they said, no, but why? Why are you leaving the trajectory? Because we have a scene like this, and this is where we're going. So yes, besides, yes, she said we have to make it commercial to make it a song. It was a fun, 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 fun scene. Mm. And they went off into this weird bridge. Then they went into a minor key (laughs) And I was like, okay, like, I get the artistry, but it's not for the scene. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? It's always an interesting marriage of, like she's saying, are you serving the story? Are you serving the scene? Are you serving your brand as an artist? Mm. That's an important thing yeah. And know. that's what
2: that, that boiled down to. Yes. I mean, after everybody walked away, they came back and they were like, okay, we were trying to do something new with the song as opposed to playing out the scene. We're so like, okay, cool. Mm. And then we, got, we, we came to like a really cool compromise. I really well, there's like no that compromise.
1: song. No, not compromise. I got what I
2: wanted. I was trying to be nice. I
1: can't compromise. No, here's the thing. Like, I can't compromise as a director. Yeah. If I compromise as a director, I'm compromising the story. I'm compromising what we're doing. Then what is the point of what we're doing? Mm. There has to be one person that sees it for everybody.
3: Yeah.
1: That's the thing about it. I, and then what happens is whenever Table Manners plays, I stand up and I fully take responsibility for everything that you see on the screen. And that's the deal that me and Gully have. Yeah, Everything that's on the screen, then what she always will give me is all the support to basically take what's in my head and put it on the screen. So she trusts that implicitly. So when they were going off on a tangent and changing the trajectory of the emotion that I wanted the audience to feel, it was, are you serving the plastics brand? Mm-hmm. Are you serving table manners? So I say, right now you're serving your brand of being different mm. and being out there. But funny enough, all of the songs that, we, that I convinced her with mm. were all really commercial sounding songs.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was a compromise because we were paying for the studio time and we went from talking to playing songs recording. I feel like that was like, oh, yeah, this is a great step forward.
0: <laughs> Let's move to the
2: business side. I- all right. What is involved with getting music into films? It depends on what kind of music you want. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the score, which which is the mostly instrumental that plays underneath scenes. Then there's your soundtrack, which is your songs, which also live good. alone and can stand alone, which also mm. play underneath scenes. So what we do, it's an OST. OST, OST that, is the original that, that soundtrack. Inclu- and that includes both score
1: yeah.
2: and your soundtrack songs.
1: Mm. So I, I just talk about the business. It's first, you have to identify what you want. So usually you'll try, have like one or two options, but usually for me it's just like get one option. And then I play it to her, and then if she approves of it, and she says, "Cool, I really like this, and it's making me feel something," because I think that's the most important thing. And sometimes I remember for the last film, Homecoming, mm. uh, the one that's going to be releasing. Well, this we can say: we're releasing Homecoming in December, and that's going to be going across the continent, which is for us is amazing. So mm. we went from small releases in South Africa to now making uh, content that can travel across the continent. And yeah. that's very important. Remind me about that. Okay. Because it also speaks to the music aspect of it as well. So then, when you look at this one, it's then find, trying to find the rights. And this for me is like, it's like entangling a ball. Mm. That's what it is. Trying to find the rights, mm. who owns what, who, who owns has it as well, who owns what? this portion. I mean, like for Homecoming, we managed to sing three songs for us, which were so sentimental, and they are part of our childhood growing up as well. And we felt that we had to get these songs in, so we went. And one of the songs, they just would not let us have it. No, they refused. Mm. And here's the thing about it, we knew that the song had been licensed somewhere else on another for them, right? And we had to then tell the publisher, but wait, you say that you can't do this, but it's on this project, and the publisher didn't know. Like literally, he even asked us, Can you please send us the scene? Yeah, he didn't
2: believe us. Yeah, he didn't we believe were like, us, yeah. Dude, it's it's on it's on. Yeah. <laughs> Turn on your T V yeah. <laughs> you'll catch it on this. Yeah. And we literally had to go, It's on this channel, go, go, and hmm. we and tell him how to find it. And then he was just like, Oh holy crap, how'd this happen?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing about it, because that means that in terms of the businesses that if there was one sort of one point of which there should be one point of contact, yeah. which is one publisher and then that publisher will then sort of go ahead and contact all the other publishers to bring it together. But the problem right now is that we have to deal with six different publishers. Okay, That's the first sort of hurdle. Mm. Six different publishers, six different contracts, six different rights. Some people have live rights. Some people have mechanical rights. Some people have, let's say the original song copies. Mm. So we're not going to one point, mm. which is irritating
2: yeah and sadly i think one of the things that surprised me when we first started on this journey was discovering that it's never the artist that you're going to yes because they never own their own music and i was like that's insane Mm. it came out of your brain you did worked hard on it then you had to find someone to help you record it and then you don't own it Mm. and you have no say in where it goes i was like that's crazy that's crazy Mm.
1: and here's the thing about south africa because we're always waiting for someone to come and give us a recording studio. We're always waiting for someone to come and say, here's a recording contract, which is actually like a slavery contract these yeah. days as well. Mm-hmm. We'll always be... What Nkuli said is, when we want to buy the rights to your song...
2: You don't even know about it.
1: Yeah. You'll yeah. know about it when you just read a small check you. or like a residual check. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen is we're going to have to go talk to 20 other people who will decide whether we put your song in our film or not. Yeah. And sometimes they'll overprice it.
2: Yeah, no, there was one email chain which was, had, you had 20 different people on it and they all had specific requirements and requests and they all had invoices that came along with those requirements and requests. Yeah. So I was just like, I remember like reading this and going, okay, cool, if I add this invoice to that invoice and then my total oh, yeah. is this much. And I went through it and none of those people, 20 people on the email chain was the artist. And oh. I thought, that's... Crazy.
1: That's crazy. That's insane, dude. So therefore, it's like literal gatekeepers. Yeah. Which means that because you don't own your music, because you got help or you got someone else to pay for the making of your album. It means that I can't just say, hey, and then it literally should be one call.
3: Mm.
1: Like, for instance, the Beatles catalog is owned by one person. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So if, if you want to do it, you'll go to the publisher. The publisher will then make one call and say this amount for this. Mm. But here's the thing about it, because so many people own the different rights to something. It's like, who do we talk to that we end up saying, actually, screw it, fuck it. No, we say fuck it, because it gets gets tiring. It's like, we can't get this song, let's move on to another one. Which is what happened to this. Then I had to then go do a deep dive and then go and find a song which I could get access to. That's what I had to do. It's crazy.
0: It is crazy. So now once you get the rights, what's the next step?
1: Separates. People. People, people.
2: (laughs) Separates. Separates are are important.
1: Your stems are so important. It's a thing. I cannot
2: use your song if I cannot 5.1 it. I just can't. Just can't. As beautiful as it is, cinema is now playing in what's 5.1 and now they've got the other thing where the sound comes from seven different points. Atmos. Atmos. So if I cannot 5.1 it or Atmos it, I cannot use your song. So you have to have separates.
1: But also, no, just on a simpler note, is if I can't take away your vocals, mm. if I can't edit your song, yes, if I only want to have the drums, then bring in the strings or the rock guitar, etc. if you do not have your separates, which gives me that freedom, it becomes so difficult to put your song in there. As, in a movie or the TV, movie, yeah. Because the TV. There's,
2: there's dialogue, and I'm not going to stop yeah. my, my character's dialogue because you've decided to sing this one line now. I need to be able to just remove the line. And have the dialogue play and then the song build as I need it to build in my scene.
1: So it's like delivery. Like that's the next step is getting the stuff and then being able to put it inside. And then finding out like the amount of people that don't have actual separated stems is insane. It's
2: so disappointing because you go through this long ass negotiation with all these different giants from all over the world. The minimum I think I've dealt with so far is three different companies yeah. for sinking one song. That was the minimum. That was the least of it. So now I've gone through all this. I've negotiated a price according to my budget. I've gone, okay, cool, this is going to work. And then I go, right, I need it to be in 5.1. So have you got separates for me? And they go, oh, no, we didn't record separates for this.
1: It's not that they didn't record separates.
2: They didn't get the separates. They
1: didn't get the separates. Yeah. So they took a master, and masters are great if I'm doing a cd like my freaking great grandfather (laughs) you know i love masters for that because that's like the original recording but you don't want to mix down you want to have the separate so you have the creativity to be able to move it around so it's like oh crap how do i do this because also remember a song is like what two minutes 30 seconds if i only need 30 seconds of it for a scene i need to have a natural beginning and a natural ending yeah which means sometimes I have to edit your song to get a natural beginning and a natural ending, which is just like cut apart here, loop over there to be able to put it together. But now if I have your vocals all over the place, as beautiful as they are, I cannot use it. Yes. I need to have those separates, which once again goes when you're recording, wherever you're recording, get that hard drive, put it on the cloud, save it. Yeah. That's it. Save it so that you don't have to go around looking for where are these then eventually? Oh, dude, all I have is the master because we can say, Well, we'll pay you less then.
3: Yeah. Yes,
0: so who would you ask for the separates the guy who masters your album or the guy who records it?
1: Are you talking about as an artist? As an artist, the recording studio recording. where you're doing it the, that's the guy. Yes. yes, no, get them there first, yeah. yeah, then you'll take those to the master. And he'll master all of those before giving that and then get the mastered ones there as well. Okay. So therefore you have the original recordings, which mm-hmm. are important, but then you also have the mastered ones where they've done all the fancy things and EQ'd it as well. So if anything happens to one, you've got a backup of the other. That That's, is super important.
0: That is super important. Take a
2: note immediately. Write mm-hmm. that down and don't forget to do that. cuts you off from entire industry if you don't have separates, which is crazy. Yeah. It cuts you off from all of film and television. Yeah, that's wild.
1: Yeah, that's super wild, hey? Like, just realizing. And the thing is, guys, we're not even freaking music producers. <laughs> I like, know, we're not. That's the thing. This is like someone who's like common sense. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think for me, that's why it's the business is a lot more important than the creativity. And I'll say this. doesn't matter how creative you are. Actually, yeah, it doesn't matter, actually, because I I would choose a hard worker over the most creative person any day because a hard worker is consistent. A hard worker will put in the amount of hours needed and a hard worker will then take the time to learn the business of it.
2: To take us back to Taylor is yeah. Emile sent you the beginnings of twenty different tracks in a night. Mm. Yeah. And that's a hard worker. It, yeah. He's yes, he's a creative genius, but he did. He sat and he recorded like um the strings and the vocals of twenty different mm. ideas. Just mm. In his
1: bathroom, like literally. Because I said, Dude, I need the song now. Yeah. Because they, we couldn't correct the song as we need the song. Now, yeah, and what he did, like she said,
2: he spent all night doing it. And in the morning, we had a song that is beautiful, and Lily was like, That's the idea, go with that idea. And then he went and he wrote the song after, but he delivered 20 different ideas. I couldn't believe it. Mm. I was like, Three o'clock in the morning, what's this email? (laughs) Why am I getting a song at three o'clock in the morning? But that's because he's a hard worker.
1: Like, I'll say this because it's been like so long since the table minus, Mm. and I know that inflation kicked in. But for us, is if you give us an original song. And we just want to use it for the film. What we'll actually do is we'll even license it for up to 25,000 rands.
3: Mm.
1: Pay for recording time of the song as well. Mm. So therefore, you're literally doing nothing. You're showing up. And because... Our business's film will even give you the rights as long as you notify us if you're mm. going to put it because you don't want to put it in like a porn film. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to know so we can predict ourselves. Like, seriously, i oh, yeah. some, oh, some weird film. But mm. literally, we'll do all of that mm. and allow you to do it because your idea is good and we can use it in our film mm. because we know that then trying to get like a song of that equivalent internationally will cost us about 10 times as much to do yeah. that.
2: Not because but, of the dollar
1: exchange rate. Yeah. Yes, but the trick is you have to be able to put in the work. Yes. If you can't put in the work, then you shouldn't be doing this. Like, if this is not your life, if you are doing this for your friends, if you're doing this just because you can strum a freaking guitar, then don't do this. Yeah. If guess, the
2: words, I don't like that song, are going to break you, eh, find yeah. a new career. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a lot more rejection than acceptance in this industry. But here's the thing. Like, if you put in the 10,000 hours, the, the yeses are big. Mm. and we know this
2: yeah there's a thing that um we get criticized for a little bit um mainly by our investors is because we're in the business of film we work very hard on owning our film mm. Mm. but the music that we create for the film because we've paid for it and we've commissioned it by you know for all intents and purposes we own it but we're also not in the business of music so we always give rights over mm. to the person who created the work
3: yeah.
1: Huh, that's really nice that's nice yeah because what are we going to do our investors
2: with
1: hate it yeah <laughs> I'm sure yeah.
2: <laughs> they do not like
1: that yeah it's for us it's like cool so yeah technically we produced it yeah fully fully on that one but for us is that like, how do we monetize it mm. And that that for us, that's the only thing that matters, like, how do we monetize it? And realize, okay, so maybe if we give this to them, which is a fully recorded album, depending on how much work they put in, they can actually do something. I remember uh, you and I, one of the tracks that the Plastics dead for Table Manners, it went to, like, number three on the Five FM chart. Oh, wow. Which is great. You yeah, know, that's, that's super. That's, cool. that's super for them as well. I think it's very possible for South African music to blow up internationally because I think as a country, a multifaceted but we're going to say something which which is definitely controversial but i think sometimes we look too much to the outside yeah yeah like for all of our art yeah. we need outside what is it called the approval ju- the
2: idea it's not our idea we copy something we're copying and pasting and i worry about uh, that
1: no but was, uh, that but also the fact is we need outside approval yeah. so if a film festival picks up my film then it's like okay wow amazing outside Mm. approval but here's the thing we're not focusing on on growing our local market yes we get it the majority of money from musicians from gigging so you know that you gig durban then you gig cape town then you do johannesburg then everyone says when to next yeah that's just what they say how big is my
2: audience in the art how big also they
1: don't want you to become overexposed yeah so for me is that cool so then why aren't you as a musician sort of looking then cool there are people in smaller towns how do i reach those people how do i get to those people how do i grow my target base so i can go around and travel i mean americans are lucky because the united states in terms of just land mass is
3: huge yeah mm-hmm.
1: how do you grow your market beyond these three towns
0: yeah
1: Grahamstown, yes they have young kids Yes, they have places too. There's even like four schools there. Dude. Yeah. They have like kids that you can play to as well. So you don't have to go to them every weekend. But how do you do a show, not just on the Star National Arts Festival, mm. but how do you form it as part of your touring circuit? Yeah. And I think the problem is we as South Africans, we are waiting to break out and go record in New York or America. But here's the thing. Skipping a fun- Namibia, skipping
2: Batsang, yeah. skipping, buts- yeah. skipping all of East yeah. and West Africa.
1: Yeah, but here's a funny thing. And this is what I was talking to one of my friends in America. Because like, well, we do currently work in international co-production. So we're just having conversation regards how people perceive South Africa and how people perceive in terms of the music and everything. And they said, go, here's the thing. I listened to a famous rapper from South Africa who sounds really good in South Africa. If you go to L.A., there are 20,000 rappers better than him.
2: Yeah, On the street.
1: On the street, unsigned, busking. Yeah. 20,000 better than them. So, therefore, he says that they do it better. Yeah. They sound more authentic. So, why are we trying to sound like people from overseas? Yeah. That, for me, is the thing. Why are we trying to sound like people from overseas? Like, what is that? Seren Gas. Yeah. You guys know Seren gas, right? Yeah. And then, you know, the, they became Seether mm-hmm. afterwards as well, yeah. right? I was a huge fan of Seren Gas, their first album. Then, when they became Seether... They even re-released their first album, and they Americanized it. They made it all fancy, etc. And I realized I didn't like that album because it didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel real. They lost what made them sarin gas. Yeah. And here's the thing about it. Who is Cedar now?
0: Who knows, actually? Do you know?
1: You know. Who is Cedar now? America. I know they moved, but when was the last album from Cedar? America. Do you see what I'm talking about as yeah. well? Because you can never be more American than the Americans. Americans 100% I feel like lately what we're doing as South African musicians and yeah cut and pasting that's it stop cutting and paste that for me is really sad is that we're trying to be so much like people overseas that we just lose who we are which makes us generic which makes that we don't shine which makes us not to be exportable and the thing about musicians they have to be exportable yeah and I don't mean sing in Corsa or sing in Afrikaans because yeah. that's not being, ex- no, but that's not being exportable. Hmm. Do you see what I'm talking about? All the biggest, is look at the top 100 right now.
2: Yeah, none of it's in indigenous languages. Yes. It's all in English.
1: No, that's it. Like, literally, if you want to be commercial, single language, everyone can understand. Yeah. I don't mind that as well. Don't look for inspiration overseas. Yeah. Look at art. Look at our stories. Look at around us. Look at us in South Africa. Hmm. Those are good sources of inspiration. But I think for me, that's why when I, then I do my track placing, my placeholders, It's all international music. Yeah. Because they are putting emotion, and I don't think we have enough emotion in our songs. It's very sad, actually.
2: I watched you have a a conversation with a composer recently, and I thought the track was gorgeous. He said, do you feel anything? And I said, "Nah, Great track. But... I feel a thing. Yeah. And we sent it back to him and he said, I don't feel anything. So if you're not going to hurt while you're writing it, I'm not going to feel any hurt in the song. Yeah. And he's like, give me two days. And he sent us back something and I was just like, oh, I thought that in the pit of my stomach. Like I was <sighs> like, that, that's the one we're going to use. That's mm. that's the work. I mean, I write film, so I don't write songs. So I, I don't know if it's the same for songwriters, but I know for me to get an emotion or a progression right In my script, if I am not sad at the end of writing something sad, if I am not having to take a moment to compose myself and then put it on the page, it doesn't come across as sad or heartbreaking. I don't know if songwriters in South Africa are doing that. Are they letting their hearts break when they write something sad? Are they, do they have a huge shit-eating grin on their face when they write something that's supposed to be fun? Because if you're not feeling it, I sure as heck don't have a chance of feeling a thing. That's true. It's so exciting for
0: me to hear you talk about it because as particularly live musicians, when we stand up and we do a show and afterwards people come and say, oh my God, I was in tears. You think, I've done my job. Yeah like that's yeah.
1: the point yeah dude like literally that's the only thing some sort of feeling yeah you know but not from Lysha because most people are drunk of it. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I but no, no I'm just joking <laughs> but no but to just say something right now which is that it's just, it's, you don't even have to self-flagellate
0: yeah
1: you don't have to you don't have to be in tears you don't have to be reliving the worst moment of your life to give us an actual feeling it's feel something or anything.
3: Yeah.
1: And if you feel nothing, if there's literally nothing and you just did a song or a chord progression just so that you can emulate someone there, then you've already lost it. Yeah. Like literally there as well. If you feel nothing, then why are you doing it? I think for us what drives us as a company is that like, even when we pick our projects, if you don't love it, why are we doing it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. This whole game is hard, damn work. And if I I am not excited about a project, or if I don't love it, or I don't feel like this is the most important story of it all, when it gets hard, when shit gets real, when it is two o'clock in the morning and people are looking at you like, why are we still shooting? I'm gonna go, yeah, why are we still shooting? Let's go home. As opposed to what we do now, which is we're shooting because we need to get this done. Yeah. We need to yeah. get it done properly. We're going to get, make it look beautiful. We're going to do the best work we've ever done here today. Yeah. And then you're going to go home and sleep when it's wrapped up. Yeah. And that's what we do. And that's how we're able to get through it. Is I'm if excited about it at it, the yeah. beginning. I love it at the beginning. And that's what carries me through to the end.
1: Yeah. If you don't love it, then why are we doing it? Yeah. I think one of the biggest fights we ever had with someone in the industry was when they congratulated us for finishing a film. Yeah. And I looked at them and said, Why are you saying congratulations? You haven't watched the film.
3: Yeah.
1: You haven't seen it. You haven't you don't know anything, but you're just saying congratulations. Congratulating a filmmaker for finishing a film is congratulating a child for breathing. <laughs> that's, that's it.
2: That's what you're supposed yes. to do.
1: Congratulating a musician a film, for releasing a song is the same as congratulating a child for breathing. It's the bare minimum. Releasing or doing it bare minimum. You talk about, oh, no, but you had to raise. So, yes, I had to go raise funding because that's the minimum. Yeah. Otherwise, she can't call herself a producer. Yeah. If she can't yes, I that. had to work hard. That's yes, the minimum. That's the minimum.
0: I mean, you hit on a massive truth. I feel a little bit weepy. I've got goosebumps. That's the truth.
1: That's the truth. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the bare minimum. I can't congratulate you for releasing a song. I can't congratulate you for releasing two songs. I can't even congratulate you for releasing an album. I can't. Because if you're a musician, that is what you will do. It's what you're supposed to do. It's what you're supposed to do. Through everything, through the struggles, whatever, you're supposed to do that. But then what I can congratulate you is when you start now trying to make it profitable. Yeah. So now you start trying to treat it like a business. You think, cool, so I've got a bunch of songs. Let me go, even though they'll kick me out, let me go knock on the doors of every single advertising agency with my tracks. Yeah. Not emails, I want to knock oh crap they're gonna kick me out cool let me try get in there like and then let me just sing outside
2: point where you congratulate someone is when they make it onto a chart no or the they point get is like
1: when they do more than the above minimum okay you cool. see what i'm talking about so therefore they say cool i'm not gonna sit at home and just do nothing is i'm gonna go there and try get my music out i'm gonna go try and gaze and people are gonna talk about payola you have to pay radio do cool we know that's happens. That it's been the history of it. A and R people were meant to pay the DJs to put their music on. Yeah. That's what they're there for. Therefore, so what do you do, dude? We've got the internet. It has literally made everything almost level.
3: Yeah.
1: You can go out there and don't release one song and wait to have a thousand followers. You release Keep a going. thousand songs to wait to have one follow. Mm. That's it. Don't do the other thing. One song will not get you a 1,000 followers. But if you keep on releasing, if you keep on dropping to YouTube little videos of yourself singing the songs, and it's different songs, and you just keep on creating, eventually something will break if you are talented. But now here's the thing. Are you talented? Because, yes, you are talented, but talent is not enough.
2: We can tell you a lot about our favorite movies because we take them, even the movies we don't like, especially the movies we don't like, we dissect the script. We dissect the production, we go through, how did they put this together? Okay, mm. cool. How did they market it? Okay, cool. What went wrong with the story? Mm. Why didn't it hit home or why did it hit home? And then we sit and we dissect almost every single movie we watch. Yeah. And then the next time we are sitting in a script meeting or just brainstorming, we're like, cool. Now we know not to make that mistake.
1: It's also to bring a specific why did they use their song? Yeah. It's like, why did they use that song? That song had nothing to do with it. I mean, that song, what, cost them that that much, but it had nothing to do with the scene. In fact how was the song used in the film? Yeah. Like, you know what? I wouldn't mind an artist saying, please just give me an idea of levels, et cetera, how the song is going to play out as well. See, that I don't mind. Not like mm. where is it going to play or whatever. Forget that because it could play wherever, but give me a sense of how the, the thing is going to sit. And this is what happened. When we were trying to get Sound of Silence, they said, please do what you're doing, put the song in, and give us... Not just a rough version. Give us a high quality, whatever version, to show that you're actually down, you're close to it, with the songs, etc. exactly how it's going to be used. Please. So we can make an informed decision. And that, for me, was a different conversation you're having than, let's say, with some South African artists. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And that, for me, is like, cool. So now there's a different level of business to even the sinking business.
2: So it was an informed rejection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was an informed rejection. <laughs> it was like, knew, cool. They knew where it was going. Yeah. They, they They watched the scene. They so, were like... We and thought
1: about it. You're not big enough. Like, yeah. if you're not big enough, you won't be able to afford it. You see a total budget. Bye-bye.
2: Yeah.
1: That's what it was as well. Like, if you literally could put you into maybe a million territories all across the world, a million cinemas, yeah, we consider it because then we're going to make some money from it. Yeah. Because guess what? Every time it plays, that samurai has mm. to pay the artist. It's yeah. like, cool, oh, we'll get something from it. So it, besides the initial license fee because it's, it's Tarantino and it's paying in 250 million theaters across the world, we'll get 10 cents off each cinema. Just yeah. for instance, I don't know the numbers. I'm not a musician. Yeah. Mm. So therefore, we'll also get like another, let's say, $250,000. Mm.
2: So I had, okay. I had a weird discussion with a, an actor slash musician. And my question to, to this person was, so you're acting in all these things. That's great. Have you ever sold any of the producers any of your music? And they said no. And I was like, but that makes no sense. Yeah. That makes no sense because we often have to market the cast as part of our of our scheme, and if the cast has a whole thing that you can sell, that makes it so much easier to market that person yeah so if I can get my marketing return on my investment, I will happily license your song because at the end of the day, I will receive something for it you'll you also receive your um what's it called royalties residuals
1: residuals
2: from it playing every day on the t v or on the movies. But I also get something from it because I can now market my product yeah. mm. off your marketing and vice versa. And I don't understand why when it's such an obvious synchronicity, synchrono ooh, the English has abandoned me. For I don't understand why it's connection. why it's such an obvious connection, it's yeah. such an obvious marriage, such an obvious partnership, why people aren't actively pursuing it. Yeah.
1: Mm. Interesting. It's crazy, dude. It is crazy. Yeah.
0: Now as we run down to the end of the show. Oh cool. Um, what were you guys listen to on the
2: way here?
1: Ah, we talk. Yeah. We don't drive to music.
2: Okay. Only on long trips.
1: Only on long trips, generally to put the children to sleep, like our, our kids to sleep, but we don't drive. A lot of times we just like talking, because yeah. we're talking like always bouncing ideas around, etc. When she drives. Arguing about
2: the random things. So when I drive, yeah. um, especially on long trips, I like to listen to pop, and this man is not. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets really upset.
1: Maybe it's just film score yeah i literally like when i drive the majority of my tracks are film school like my children can pick up tracks from like the good the bad and the ugly from kill bill like literally that's all i do even from fury man which is like by i think david price all i do is if i find a song and i like it it's just i'm always i'm obsessed (laughs) in the best and worst possible way i love film yeah I love engaging with it. I love Mm. watching it. And as a part of that, I have like credence for all the different aspects of film, whether it's the performance, you know, I have to know that, the art direction. But also I have such credence for the use of sound.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Most of your playlists are from watching something, hearing the soundtrack, and then Googling or shazamming
1: Mm. it. Yeah, favorite movies and all of that as well. So it's like if something... And I think for me, here's the thing is, music for me is not just, oh, it's nice, something to pass the time or in the background. So I'd rather just drive in silence mm-hmm. because I don't need something to pass the the time. He takes
2: it too seriously. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't need something to, to while away or to, a lot of people think music is a distraction. I don't need a distraction because mm-hmm. my mind is always on these wild imaginings and I have a great imagination. But what I do love is a feeling. Mm. I think for me, that is the one thing that I really love as I'm driving to just have a feeling constantly. So I'm feeling emotion. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling like it's a showdown. I'm feeling like this. So as I'm driving, I'm constantly feeling things. And I think that the more that I feel these things, the easier it becomes to be able to identify them in a film yeah. or in a script, which is why even then when she gives me music, as a rule, it's like I'll listen to the song because I respect her. But what I usually do is that when we're doing the – from script to like screen, there's a part where it just becomes my script, the director's draft, and that's where I'll put in songs. So even when I'm doing readings with like cast etc., I'll even then take out my phone and play a particular song and say, "This is what I'm thinking." This, this is what the I'm feeling thinking. of the scene. This is the feeling as well as we're reading it, because then for me, it's just all about feeling. And I think maybe our movies need more feeling.
3: Yeah.
1: I think our music needs more feeling. Mm-hmm. And here's a weird thing: I think if we had more feeling there would be enough money to go around because then we wouldn't just be in one place, which is South Africa, which is patting ourselves on the back and saying, oh, well done for releasing an album Mm -hmm. or releasing a song. If we had more feeling, then because our culture is very different to America's, we don't automatically sink. But if I can feel joy and I can make this listener in LA or Michigan or wherever feel joy, if those connections can happen, then that listener will buy my music or watch my film. And I think that's what we have to do.
0: That is profound. Thank you. Pleasure, man. One social media link that people can find you guys on.
1: <laughs> well, my mom follows me on Instagram.
3: <laughs>
1: that's my one follow on Instagram. So, Jack and Jill underscore TV on Instagram. And then we'll be able to be post like trailers and pictures behind the scenes and they'll be able to just follow us on our film journey.
0: Amazing, guys. Thank you for coming in. This has been incredibly informative. I'm excited to share this episode. It's been really
2: good being here. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: If you are an independent artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on ShotgunTory.com.
1: You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.